Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G, with me on the Sunday Fun Day edition, the man I once almost killed by leaving too long out in the sun without any sunscreen, Jake, Papa J-Bones, parlor. Dude, I forgot about that. You did take me on a bike ride that I thought was going to be 20 minutes and turn into like six hours. Got serious. And and I myself yeah. uh, uh, rarely think about sunscreen. Oh, come on! Um, so then I was just going along, and then I look over, and Jake's like, hey, by the way, I'm a lobster. And I was like, oh, Jeez. whoops. I'm sorry, Jake. I destroyed you. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, it wouldn't have been that bad, but I was wearing a T-shirt, and... I just went back home with the worst farmer's tan, like, which is was, pretty dope. You got to give it up for a good farmer's tan. I mean, yeah, man. Weed. Oh yeah, and let me tell you that pizza we had that night after that bike mm, ride. Nothing better. So good. Nothing better, man. You get a good pizza after a good bike ride. It's well deserved. Well deserved. What was, what was the name of that restaurant? Carmine's. Carmine's. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Carmine's. Yeah. Shout out. It's a good place if you're in Jacksonville. Hit it up, folks. Hit it up, all the Jacks. Uh, no doubt, the people in Jacksonville probably already list, are already ate there. So true. Um, Jake, I, I re-realized something this weekend. Hmm. Uh, and I've known it for a while, and I knew it when starting this show, but I re-realized it this weekend. Word. Uh, when I started this show, we had a segment called The Zebo Update. Jake, mm-hmm. the Zebo okay. update, and that was for Generation Z. And the reason we had the Generation Z update was because we read an article that let us know that Generation Z had an attention span of eight seconds. Jeez. So wow. I would sum everything up in the show in eight seconds for those people that had that attention span. Okay. Now, Jake, to quote Bob Seger, and to further alienate myself from anyone under the age of 45, oh, this show is going against the wind, right? Because <laughs> okay. people don't have the attention span for a two-hour show. Nope. They don't even have the attention span for a 10-second TikTok nope. or Snapchat, Nope. let alone two hours on a podcast. Nope. So. We, we're going against the wind here, That's a fact. and I'll okay. tell you. I'll tell you what reminded me of this, Jake. As I told you right before we came on the air, I've been I've been working on the guitar skills recently. So true. Had some time, sure. and I thought I'd 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 break down my guitar uh, practicing. Well, you know, now with all the the space age technology we have, all these tutorials are on YouTube for you. Just right there, you know? All these experts, Mar- you know? Marty Shorts. Yeah. Papa, Papa Stash. Yeah, you got all these people out there. And and uh, I'll, uh, I, I'm not going to mention which one, but I came across one guy that was pretty good. 
His videos were pretty solid, pretty easy tutorials. Hmm. I was looking for some blues licks, but I started going through all of his other videos, you know? And uh, I noticed he's got a set of uh, beginner videos, right? And yeah. uh, I happened to, to, to look, and it was 10 different videos, a 10 progression video set, right? And uh, I looked at the first beginner video, right? And it had, it was 12 minutes long. How many views do you think that first beginner video had? Hmm. How many views did you say? No, how many did you think? It was 12 minutes long. How many views did oh. you think it had? Honestly, I'm going to say he probably had like 40,000. Oh, this was this is a very popular one. 5.5 million. 5.5. Uh, okay. Very impressive, Dude, right? You're talking, this has got to be Marty Schwartz. Could be. Word. Could be. I I'm think not, it is. I'm not going to say is, whether it is or not. But. Is, okay. Here's the next thing, right? Then I'll look at the second lesson. Second lesson. How many views do you think it had? Uh, probably took a dive, and I'm going to say 40,000. What? 1.7 million, right? Okay. So, yeah. roughly 4 million people gave up after 12 minutes. <laughs> a 12-minute lesson on what strings are and strumming an E minor chord with two fingers, and 70% of people were like, I've got Spotify, don't I? I don't need to listen to this crap. Jeez. Yeah. I don't even know how to play this. And they gave up. 70%. And lesson two was even shorter. It was 10 minutes. Didn't matter. Yeah. By the third lesson, lost another 500,000. By the fourth lesson, he was only at 800,000. Then, at the end of the eighth video, he was down to three hundred and fifty thousand. That's Dang. that's the attention and persistence of the average person. An hour yeah. of instruction, and almost ninety-five percent of the people had already given up. Lamb. Yeah. Jeez, like, what and is then, this rocket science? I don't need all this. Then they want us to do like with the COVID and everything. They want us to do eight hours virtual in class every single day and we can't even get through a yeah. 12 minute video yeah yeah well i mean you know that's i've i've mentioned to several of our our guests whose uh partners are teachers uh middle school teachers that i was like oh i am sorry yes that is no good because you, you imagine i mean this is a these are most i'm guessing most of these people watching this video are are adults yes Imagine having middle schoolers take that. Mm -hmm. That is frightening, you know? And not only, this is something, you know, playing the guitar, something useful and fun. Yeah. Our podcast isn't useful or fun. So true. <laughs> which, after realizing this, makes me more amazed and grateful that we have the listeners that we actually do. That's a fact. Yeah, 100%. Those people are amazing. They're amazing for listening to this crap. With that being said, Jake, are you ready to fire this up? Let's fire this thing up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Man, speaking of talent, Jake, speaking of playing instruments, the dude we have on the show today, he's a wizard with instruments. Word. Wizard. Mm -hmm. You know how many instruments he plays? Hmm... Um, 20. 
Uh, well, okay, you, you're you're blowing up my guesses here a little bit. You're you're being way too excited on guesses. <laughs> I'm well, like, like th- think a lot. Forty million. Don't think a lot. Twenty thousand. <laughs> think a lot. Six hundred <laughs> instruments. <laughs> anyway, he plays ten instruments, which is, I mean, you know, let's give it's it still up. Good. That's it's pretty more than. That's more, than, more than me than or one. you, you know. I don't. You can't yeah. play ten, can you? Uh, you bass, guitar, what else? Like two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He's mastered ten. It's and he's got a master's degree in songwriting. What? Okay. Well, what? There you go. And he's got a super popular song called Billy Joel that's been promoted by Billy Joel. Boom. Say what? Boom. Can't wait to talk to him. It's gonna be fun. AJ Smith, very entertaining guy. Uh, but first, we need to start where we start, Jake, which would be birthday suit. Now, All right. Jake, fun fact, I was getting ready for this show, and I was coming up with the birthday suits, and for some reason, when I was looking up the birthday suits for July 19th, I put in May 19th. Girl, come on! Don't know why. Uh, and I didn't notice it right away. And so I picked out Sam Smith, because Sam Smith's birthday is May 19th. And I was all excited because I was getting ready to sing Stay With Me for you to guess the birthday. And then I realized that it wasn't his birthday. And I was like, oh, well, ruin that, why don't you? Jeez. But don't worry. Don't worry, Jake. We still got a singing birthday suit. Yes! All right. That's right. That's right. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of background real quick. Born on July 19th, 1947. In Hampton, England. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer is the guitarist for the band that made this classic. Are you ready? Hit me with it. <clears throat> Steve walks wearily down the street with a brim pulled way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound of his feet. Machine guns ready to go. Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the to the sound of the beat. Hey, boom, boom, boom! Another one bites the dust. Boom, boom, boom! Oh man! Another one bites the dust, and another Brian, one's gone. Oh, oh, oh! Brian oh. May. Yeah, there it is, Brian yeah. May. <laughs> Dude, I, I, you know, you got like seventy-five percent through that song, and I still was like, who sings this? And mm. then it came to me. You had to get to the baseline, dude. Had to get to exactly. that. Had to get to that baseline of the chorus. And you know who the, the wrote ba- that song? The bassist. That's right. Yeah. The bassist wrote that song. Now, did you see? Did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? Mm. Dude, I saw it like three times in two weeks in the theaters. Nice, nice. Yeah, it, great film. You know what I'm a big fan of? Freddie Mercury's uh, fandom of cats. That's what I like. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. And his now, mustache. You, his mustache. You saw, the, you saw the film, right? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, man. I, uh, I've i seen documentaries That's a fact. on Queen. I have not seen the actual uh, uh, film of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, though. My brother gave me a, a synopsis and gave me some highlights. Uh, so I am familiar with uh, the the work. Word. There are some things that aren't actually correct that you know they added some cinema magic to, 
But for sure, yeah. But you know, still, I do need to see it. It's on my list of things to see. I will see it. Don't worry. Don't okay, worry. Good. Brian May turning the big uh, seventy-three for Brian May. Congratulations. Happy birthday, Brian May. Yeah. Live it up, man. He uh, he recently made the show right before you started doing the Sunday Fun Day edition. He uh, was in the news because he tore his butt. Wait, what? Uh, his, gardening. Huh? Like his mu- like the muscle, right? Yes. Or not? He shredded okay. his glutes. Just <laughs> shredded them. And that was his words. He shredded his glutes while gardening. And I was like, what are you doing gardening yeah. that hard, bro? Plus, this was a hypothesis that I told Dave. This was right around the same time that World National Naked Gardening Day was. Hmm. I think Brian May was doing a little naked gardening. It's just a, just a hypothesis I have. Yeah. Well, you know that guitar that he played? I think they call it... I, Hey, it's got a special red, name. Yeah, the red red oak or something. I don't. I can't remember what it is. But him and his dad actually built that when he was yeah. little. Yeah, yeah. That's a fact. He. Uh, I. I remember that from way back. Like I think I was reading like a guitar magazine, and you know, it had one of like the yeah, talking about the greatest solos of all time, and it came to uh, uh, we are the champions, or mm. I think that was it. Well, anyway, anyways, they brought up the guitar. Anyways, happy birthday, Brian May. 73. Live it up. Okay, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's, let's the ripping and the tearing. Let's do it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Oh, the ripping and the tearing, man. Uh, Jake, this next story, this first story, out of Japan. Japan. Jake, it's crazy to think, but we're not too far away from Halloween, man. I know. 2020 is flying by, bro. Only three months, really, until Halloween. And I, I didn't know this, but uh, Japan celebrates Halloween. Hmm. Yeah. 25, yeah. 25 countries celebrate Halloween. That's how many countries in the world celebrate Halloween. Apparently, Japan's one of them. And they've been actually thinking about it. Uh, and apparently, since 2013, in Japan... The members of the Yamaguchi Gumi, uh, a branch of the Yakuza. Have you heard of the Yakuza before? I've owned Grand Theft Auto, yeah. Yeah, they're an organized gang. Uh, they're uh, you got to watch out for the Yakuza. They're pretty, they're pretty hardcore. But apparently, they've been giving out money and candy to kids on Halloween. And uh, that's, that's nice. That's well, police in Japan are worried that this year. I don't know why, particularly this weird year, but the handing out of candy could result in a gang turf war. Mm. So they're they're concerned. So uh, police have submitted a bill to the prefectural assembly uh, that, if passed, would ban members of the Cusa from uh, giving money and gifts to under eighteen year olds. Mm. Yes. How are they going? How are they going to monitor that? Like. <laughs> That was the thing when I read this. I was like, no offense to the police, but you really think that's going to stop these guys? Yeah. They're an organized criminal enterprise. Like, breaking the law is literally what they do. So true. Like... If anything, they're just going to give candy to more kids because you made it a law now. Yeah. It's going to motivate them. Like, I mean, you really think this gang that's... 
been involved in drugs, prostitution, racketeering, murdering, and everything else for the past 105 years is going to be like, oh, wait, 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 wait. The, the cops passed a law saying we can't hang, ha hand out candy? Well, there, there's the laws of law, fellas. We are law-abiding citizens, and we got to support their decision. So, looks like no candy this year. Like, that's not going to happen. No, no way. Plus, like you said, Jake, I mean, with all that money the Yamaguchi Gumi have collected over the years, just saying, their candy game's got to be pretty strong. So true. You know? Yeah, man. I wonder what Japan candy tastes like. Mm. I don't know. I've never really... I'm, I'm betting there's some American options in there, would be my guess. I don't know. You know? I don't know. But I mean, I, I either way, I mean, you know, if their candy's pretty awesome, may want to take a, take a risk for gang warfare. I'm not saying yeah. definitely. I'm just saying it depends on how much you like candy. You know? If you like it a lot, just saying. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. If, I'm more of a... I'm more like... I love some Skittles, but... My favorite chocolate candy yeah. is like Baby Ruth. Oh. And then uh, I love Skittles and Starburst. That's my like non-chocolate favorite candy. Baby Just a Ruth. Side note. Mm. Yeah. Baby Ruth, huh? My, I don't know what I... Like, I like so many chocolate candies that I don't know if I'd be able to think of a favorite. Non-chocolate uh, non, uh, candy that's my favorite would be Nerds. Nerds are my favorite non-chocolate candy. I can get down on some Nerds all day. Those things are pretty tasty, but you have a couple boxes of Nerds, and it feels like somebody put a car battery rotting in your stomach, and Correct. it's a horrible, horrible feeling. Anyways, yeah. Jake, this next story out of L.A., um, essentially the past two months, obviously, there have been protests in the country uh, protesting police brutality, specifically black brutality, police mm -hmm. being using excessive force on the black population. Now, uh, this is just me, Jake, but if I was in charge of a police office somewhere around the country, I would tell everyone in my office, hey, the last thing we want to do is use excessive force, guys. And the last person, type of person we would want to do that on is a black individual. So true. That's what I would tell everybody in my police office. That's just me. Uh, apparently, the guy that's leading up the LAPD uh, didn't do that. Nope. Because this last Tuesday, a video emerged of LAPD using excessive force on a black protester who had no visible weapon, who was in a wheelchair, and they threw him out of his wheelchair. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, there was no visible weapon. No. Nope. So it is. I mean, so I mean that can be. Now they claimed. So was, they claimed. See, that's the thing. Now stick with me here. Uh, LAPD released a statement. In the statement, they claimed he had a gun in his book bag that was on the back side of his wheelchair. Hmm. Now he never reached for that. They never actually confirmed that statement with any evidence, but they said there was one in there. Now, along with that, in the uh, in the report, they said they were surrounded by protesters, and the protesters started forcefully attacking the officers. 
which obviously wasn't true by the video. They were the aggressors in the video. And then they put in the report that Wilson, Wilson is the guy that's in the wheelchair, punched an officer in the face. Wait, what? Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. In the face. So then the officer would have to, like, get in his face and be at his level since he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, unless the officer was four and a half feet tall. It's going to be real hard for a dude in a wheelchair to punch him in the face. That's a fact. And it's very obvious in the video that he did not punch any of them in the face. Nope. Then, ten cops surround one dude in a wheelchair, and they pick him up and throw him down on the ground and then throw his wheelchair to the side. Oh, come on! And he literally can't move because he's paralyzed. He can't move on the ground. You would think that one of those 10 officers was like, hey, guys, I got a feeling this isn't going to look good. Nope. Anybody else feel like this may not look good? We should probably stop this. I'm just saying, maybe. So true. Maybe not the handicapped guy. Maybe, maybe not. Like. Yeah. hmm. Well, and my thing is like, you know, I get. Okay, say he was causing a scene or he was. Of resisting arrest, mm-hmm. you really need ten cops. Yeah, to do to do that, even if it's just one, you know, that's a person who's not handicapped. But that, this guy is. That's the definition the of excessive, right there. That's a fact. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so they're not helping their situation. The LAPD. Nope. Uh, Jake, this t- uh, next story takes us down to Georgia. Uh, interesting one in Liberty County, Georgia. Uh, I think I may have gotten a speeding ticket in Liberty County. Hmm. I can't remember exactly. It was somewhere along that 95 corridor, and that's where Liberty County is. So, might have been. Not sure. Anyways, police, uh, this wasn't about a uh, ticket. This was about a dead body. Jeez. Police were alerted to the presence of a dead body on railroad tracks in Liberty County, right? So, okay. uh, Detective Mike Albatron uh, went to check out the scene. Now, by policy, police aren't supposed to do anything with a body until the coroner's arrive. Hmm. So, they typically place a sheet over the body, right? So, that's what Mike did. He placed a sheet over the body and waited until the coroner arrived. When the coroner arrived, they removed the sheet to check for trauma and injuries and the coroner immediately realized that it was a sex doll. Wait, what? And not a dead body. So Albatron was just like, oh, we got a dead body. And then just walked out there with the sheet and didn't even like investigate anything. Uh, just- yeah, apparently it was. Now, uh, officials said <laughs> that the doll had realistic features, skin, and was fully dressed. And anatomically correct Hmm. okay that's that's okay but but like you said like come on come on you're a detective you're a detective and while you're walking up with the sheet you couldn't be like that's a doll that's a fact like i feel like it's gonna be pretty evident pretty pretty obvious you know second who dressed this doll? Hmm. Who dressed this doll and put it out on the railroad tracks? I mean, yeah, I mean, 
it almost sounds like it it kind of sounds like somebody's messing with the police i think they were um yeah. and sadly the police fell for it so true sadly they went really for bad. it uh jake we're gonna move on to lincoln nebraska so okay. a guy was driving down 64th and Fairfax Avenue in Lincoln when he noticed Dominique Kinzer uh, was hitting a car with a shovel. Hmm. So he stops at a stoplight, looks over, sees a dude hitting a car with a shovel. Now, Jake, what would you do in this situation? I would probably call the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's a less likely second for me. Like, in all honesty, I would most likely be like, wow, don't get near that dude and keep driving. It's probably what I okay. would do. But second, yeah. I would probably call the cops if I was concerned. I think I thought about this when reading the story. I think my line for calling the police is danger. If somebody's Gee, life is yeah. in danger, I will call the police. If I know somebody yeah. could get hurt, I will call the police. If it's property, eh. Nope. Yeah, not too concerned. Eh. Nope. You know, I'm not too worried. But, like, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, a friend of mine's car. Maybe I'll call, I'll call the cops. But, like, other than that, eh. Anyways, that's neither, neither of those things happened with this fella. He did not do either of those things. He stopped and got out of his car to see what Dominique was doing. What? Do you think that was really smart, Jake? Definitely not. Not no. smart, right? A person hitting a car with a shovel, probably not that good at reasoning, you know? Yeah. I mean, probably not. <laughs> um, and not surprisingly at all, when he went up and asked Dominique what he was doing, Dominique started yelling at him and uh, went into his garage and came back out with a rifle Jeez. and threatened oh to, to shoot the man. And at this time, the man ran back to his car, drove off, and at this time, he was like, okay, now I should call the cops, right? Uh, so he calls the cops, and uh, Dominique went back to uh, beating the car with the shovel. Word. And police arrived a little bit later and were like, hey, um, so... What are you doing? And he's like, uh, excuse me, guys. This is my car. And it was his car. He was beating his own car with a shovel. That's a and he was like, and that's my rifle, and that's my garage. And it was, right? And um, they eventually arrested uh, Dominique for making terroristic threats to another civilian. But what I couldn't find out was the police never asked why. He was beating his car with a shovel. Hmm. Like, they never answered that question. They were just like, oh, dude was threatening this other guy. Got to take him to prison. I was like, can somebody ask him? Like, aren't they slightly curious? And why a shovel? There are so yeah. many better options. A sledgehammer, a mallet, a regular hammer. Second, like... Was this a car bash for a pep rally that nobody else showed up for? Hmm. Like, what are you doing? Why? Man. No. Maybe he was trying. Maybe he was trying to commit some sort of like insurance fraud maybe. or something. Maybe. I don't know. He was being a little too obvious. I will say, just a, a, a helpful hint, Tommy. If that's what he was doing, yeah. maybe inside the garage with the door closed. I don't know. That's a fact. Um. Anyways, so. Good luck, Dominique. 
Uh, hopefully your court case goes all right. Um, maybe next time you're destroying your own car with a shovel, just don't threaten somebody while you do it. You know? Yeah. Just don't do that. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you know this about me, uh, but I don't own a motel. Nope. I know that. Nope. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, uh, and I specifically, I don't own any motels in Maine. Nope. But yeah, without you the, sleep on the I do you sleep on the floor. It's true, I do. Um, but without the experience of currently owning a motel in Maine, I can tell you something I know I wouldn't want any part of if I did own a hotel in Maine. Hmm. Okay. And what's what's it gonna be? That would be a customer who brought. 53 giant spiders in cages into their room of my hotel. Wait, what? I would not want any part of that. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. happened this past weekend to Andrew Coombs, who manages the in-town motel in Norway, Maine. That's right. Yeah. 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 So how did, how did he, I guess he ran a room in this guy, and then this guy just starts loading in spiders. Yeah. Or did he catch it? Did he catch it then, or did he catch it after the fact? Well, so Coombs had been trying to collect payment from this guy for about ten days, right? Apparently, gave him like fake information, and he couldn't charge his room. So he went to the room and opened the door, and in the room he found fifty-three plastic terrariums with giant spiders in them. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, Coombs called animal control. Animal Control cited this customer for three tarantulas that were illegal to possess in Maine and then confiscated the other 50 to identify because they weren't sure exactly what type they were. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, Animal Control noted that there are only three types of tarantulas that are legal to have in Maine. And any other type, you must uh, have an importation permit and a permit uh, of possession through the state so true so was it illegal for him to bring them into the motel or is it just illegal to own yes like he wouldn't have let he shouldn't have had them in the uh, hotel and he shouldn't have them in the state both uh after animal after animal control took this uh over the situation uh coombs kicked uh the customer out and then he said uh he must have snuck them all in at night because we would have never allowed that in our motel uh, mm-hmm. And I started thinking about this, and I came to two conclusions, Jake. Either the cleaning service wasn't really doing their job. Apparently. Or the in-town motel doesn't have cleaning service. That's a fact. One of the two. Because can you imagine being one of the maids in that hotel and walking into that room? If I walked in that room and saw that, I'd walk right back out, and whoever the other person was that I was working with, I'd be like, hey, I'll pay you $50 right now to clean that room for me, and I will clean all the other ones that we have. So true. Not going back into that room. No. Thank you. Just, uh, yeah. mm, mm, 53. 53 tarantulas. Well, they think they were tarantulas. Which, then I started thinking about that. I was like, any other, like, at least tarantulas are furry, so it makes them slightly, just slightly less gross. But, like, those, have you ever seen a huntsman spider from Australia, Jake? Those things are gross, man. That's a fact. I've never seen many spiders. They are are not furry, and they are gross. I can tell you that. Not furry, 
and gross. Yes! Uh, okay, last story before we go to break, Jake. Um, going up to New York for this one. Uh, All right. So one of the major ways to get on and off of Manhattan from New Jersey is the Lincoln Tunnel, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally knew that. Well, the tunnel goes under the Hudson River, right? Literally goes yeah. under the river. And uh, it's about a mile and a half long, and it's been open since 1937. And I've been through the Lincoln Tunnel, uh, Jake, and I got to be honest, I never really feel at ease in a place like that. Nope. You know? Like, you're under a river. And I know it was pretty solidly made, but still, it's just like, you know what? I'm not really supposed to be here naturally under this river nope i don't feel mm-hmm. that safe under here you know uh which is why i have to say i'm very happy i was not there last week when cars that were stuck in traffic started seeing thousands of gallons of water rushing by them in the streets of the lincoln tunnel wait what you know what this sounds like what you ever seen that movie Daylight with Stallone? Mm, yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people started posting this on social media, right? They saw it and they're like, "Oh crap. Oh no. I got to send my message out to the world, right?" And uh, obviously people were uh, concerned. If I were in one of those cars, I would be very concerned. Um A couple of hours after it happened, though, the Port Authority of New York, who runs the tunnel, they put out a statement. They were like, "Ah, water main ruptured in the facility room in the tunnel center tube. We fixed it. Thank you. That was it. (laughs) And I I I like how just casual the Port Authority was like, relax, morons. It's just some, it's a water main. Jeez. Girl, come on. Just because you're under a massive river, stuck in traffic in a tunnel that you can't get out of, and you see rushing water, you get all nervous. Lame. Stop worrying, idiots. Just a water main. Yeah. yeah. Man. Well, it's because it's the reason he reacted like that. I mean, I've been guilty of it as well, is because he knows that they screwed up or somebody dropped the ball. Yeah. And so that he just wants people to not worry or, or to put off blame and. Yeah. You got to go in there. You got to go in there and put out the fire, though. You got to be like, listen, yeah. I know what's going on, guys. It's all right. Nobody worry. You know, wasn't really the case here. Relax, morons. It's water main. Get back to traffic. Jeez. Anyways, Jake, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our fantastic guest, Mr. A.J. Smith. This is Sad Song right here on the Doc G Show. You brought me down for too long You think I'm hurting, baby, you're wrong No, I don't want you back Don't want you back Took me a minute, now I'm at my best Not overthinking all your stupid tears Life's been sweeter ever since you left If you don't believe me, then why are you so upset? So Self-preservation You You think you're so 
with you back Took me for granted with your selfish ways Don't give a damn, not ashamed to say Hit me up now almost every day You say you need me, but I know you're so fake Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. That's right. A little reminder to everybody out there, make sure you check out the podcast. Wherever you download podcasts, you go ahead and type in Doc G Show. We'll pop up. Yes! You'll go ahead and subscribe. Sweet. And then you'll click the like button or the five star button. And you know what? So true. It'll make us happy. It'll make me happy. And then if you want to just maybe bypass that, maybe you don't even want to subscribe. Maybe you're just a, a part-time listener, which I can live with. Mm. Go to the website, www.docgshow.com, and listen to it there. Then you don't even have to do anything. You just just Google it right up, and boom, you're there. That's a fact. Bam. Done. Listen to the show. Regardless, Jake, it is time. We gotta We got to thank the listeners. You know, right. got to give some shout outs here. It's that time. It's that time. Shout it's that time. Out. So uh, first, we got to start with regulars. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, all the places, including Carmine's shout Jake, out. obviously. Yep. If right. y'all are in Jacksonville and you haven't been Carmine's, you better Hit get it up. Hit it up. It's good pizza right there. Yes. Uh, next, Columbia, South Carolina, of course, capital of South Carolina. Shout, shout out. out to the Gamecocks. Uh, shout out to Gainesville, Florida, shout uh, the capital of the Gators. That's what it's the capital of. I don't know what else it Word. is. Uh, shout out to Radford, Virginia, Highlanders. Shout out. shout out to Dublin, Ireland, the 01. Give it shout up, out. right? Uh, shout out to Boardman, Oregon. Shout yes, out. our West Coast, second West Coast connection. Shout out to Charlotte, North Carolina, Queen shout City. Out. Shout out to Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out shout to Barcelona, out. Spain. One of our international listeners, thank you very much. Shout, Shout out. out to Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out Shout to out. Roanoke, Virginia, the star city. Shout out to Kenner, Louisiana, Shout right out. in the heart of New Orleans. Shout, Shout out, out to Madison, Tennessee, right beside Nashville. Shout out to our second West Coast connection, the first that started listening, Mountain View, California. Shout, Shout out. out to London, United Kingdom, all the areas around London. Shout, Shout out, out to Orlando, Florida, and the city. city. In the center of our state, shout out to Peoria, Illinois. Shout out to Genoa, Italy. Shout out to Brighton, United Kingdom. Shout out to Bristol, Tennessee. And new on the regulars list, Moscow, Russia. Wow. What's up? Shout out to Moscow. Thank you for listening. All right. Okay. Jake, are you ready? 
semi-regulars. Well, you caught your breath? I got it. I got All it. Right. I, I'm start. I noticed like I, I need to get faster at the regulars because I mean, thankfully, the regular list is getting longer. So true. So like if I if I you know just sit there and talk about them for like eight hours, the podcast will be eight hours of me just describing different places that are listening. And yeah. I gotta imagine that's not the. I mean, for the, those attention deficit folks, Wham. it's yeah. not the best. Nope. You know, it's not the best. Anyways, semi regulars, Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to Louisville. Shout Istanbul, out. Turkey. Shout out to Istanbul. Thanks for listening, guys. Shout Newark, out. New Jersey. Shout out to Newark. Shout Haven't seen out. this one in a while. Key Largo. Welcome back, mm-hmm. Key Largo. Shout As out. listeners know, Jake, I've I've uh, ridden my bike all the way from Miami to Key Largo. There you go. Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to Phoenix. I was not in danger of a a sun uh, burn there either because it rained on me the whole time. So no worries about sunburns. Uh, Fisherville, Virginia. They're getting Fisherville. Getting pretty close to regulars, Jake. Pretty close. Couple more weeks. They're jumping up. Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to Hot Atlanta. And lastly, Los Angeles, California. Shout out to the City of Angels. Okay. Newcomers, Jake. Are you ready? Two interesting ones here. Okay. Let's go. Okay. First, well... I'll give you the choice. What do you want? Do you want the Atlantic newcomer or the Pacific newcomer? Hmm. Oh, man. Give me the uh, Pacific first. Okay. Then, okay. Okay. Port Villa, Vanuatu. Shout out. Port Villa, Vanuatu. I yeah. Feel like I've, I feel like I've heard of that in a movie. Hmm. Yeah? Maybe. I don't know what film. Yeah, maybe you have uh, Vanuatu. I had to look it up. I haven't heard. I'll be honest. I haven't heard much about Vanuatu. Uh, it's about six hundred miles northeast off the coast of Australia, hmm. and it's it's like if you draw draw a diagonal line from the Solomon Islands to Fiji, it's in between those two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I checked out some uh, pictures. It's beautiful, man. Yes. It's beautiful, but here's here's the big downer, and this is why I gotta say I'm really surprised to see him on the list. Vanuatu was slammed, and I mean slammed by a Category Five cyclone this Dang. past April, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Port uh, Port Villa, who listened to the show, they they were south of the eye, but they still definitely got some damage, no doubt. No doubt. So I'm I'm very glad to see them rocking with the Doc G show. That's right. I mean, you know, hats off to them. Getting the Doc G show in, even with all that chaos going on. Nice to hear them listening. Uh, and I got to say, I, you know, uh, other than the Cyclone, I was pretty excited about Vanuatu. But then I also saw that they are literally, literally ranked number one, Jake, by the UN as the country most at risk for natural hazards, Jeez. including earthquakes, volcanoes, and cyclones. Dang. So they're just sitting out there just waiting to get yeah. wrecked. Yeah, well, they've got a bunch of they got a bunch of volcanoes on their islands, and then, you know, those usually come with fault lines, which come with earthquakes, and then cyclones come through that area a lot. So Girl, come on. Whew, whew, those those guys have been through it. Thank and you, we, Port Villa, for listening. We're over here complaining about COVID. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I, I mm, yeah. I think I'd take COVID over a couple of uh, earthquakes and volcanoes, especially volcanoes yeah. when you don't have anywhere else to go. That's uh, yeah. that's not a good. That's not a good situation right there. Anyways, thank you for listening, Vanuatu, specifically Port Villa. Give it up. Shout out. Uh, okay, the other newcomer, the Atlantic newcomer, Yarm, Yarm, England. Shout yeah. out. Uh, Yarm. Yarm. Yeah. Yarm's getting pretty close to Scotland. Like, if okay. you go up on the UK and you look at the uh, Scottish-English uh, line, it's about nee, 50 miles away from that. So okay. it's pretty pretty high up there, pretty far away from London and Brighton, our other constant listeners of the show. So true. So uh, give it up. Give it up for yeah. Yarm. Thanks for I, listening, Yarm. Ben, I got to say... Ever since joining this podcast, my geography has gotten a lot better. You're getting there, man. Yeah. You're getting there. Soon? You're not even, like, I mean, people bring up, they'll be like, oh, man, I was thinking of going to Vanuatu for vacation. You'll be like, well, it's a very beautiful place, but let me tell you, you got to watch out for natural disasters. I'm just saying. Yes! Just prepare yourself. And they'll be like, wow, how'd you know about it? And you'll be like, Doc G Show, it's taught me so much. That's a fact. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jake, we got a couple, two leftover stories. I enjoy both of these stories. Uh, they're interesting. So the first one, I'm sure you heard about the story, Jake. Um, Wait, Wayfair? Wait, what? N- <laughs> no, not Wayfair. <laughs> um, a lady went into a San Diego Starbucks. Something that you have never done, both in the fact that you've never That's been true. to San Diego, nor yeah. have you ever been in a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. But. Nope. Stick with me, Jake. Try to imagine the scene. Um, She goes into Starbucks. She's not wearing a mask. The barista tells her she has to wear a mask. Of course, the lady goes bananas, starts yelling at him, says she has a medical exemption. Hmm. Well, somebody got this uh, complaint uh, on video, and uh, they set up a GoFundMe for the barista, barista, saying that this dude deserved to be tipped for having to deal with customers like this, right? And, of course, people donated way more than they should to this. Like, I, you know, I, I mean, sure, it's fun for this guy to, like, essentially win the lottery, but yes! he doesn't need this much money. He got $100,000, right? Wow. Yeah, they put $100,000. Now, we've covered a story like this before on the show, Dave. We had a person basically go through the exact same thing in Target, except that guy was yelling at the Target employee over a price of something instead of a mask. And, uh, you know, when we went over that Target uh, story, I let the listeners know, I mean, it's super awesome that this employee got to win the lottery, but there are definitely more worthwhile options for that money that you could donate your money to. And it'd be a better idea not to be a to employees and then you wouldn't feel it necessary to give them $100,000, you know? So true. Like, that might just be the way to go. Nonetheless, that's not the point of this story, Jake. There's more because the lady that went on the tirade about the mask... She found out about the $100,000, obviously, because it was everywhere. Now that lady has demanded half of the money. Wait, what? From the barista. She wants $50,000 of that money. Because she She, made a scene and she she helped make video? Yes. 
Yes. And essentially, right, Jake? That's insane because essentially that's the same thing as if somebody goes out onto a hiking trail and gets mauled by a bear and one of the friends starts a GoFundMe for the hospital bill and then the bear shows up the house and is like, hey, I need half that money. Word. If I didn't maul you, you wouldn't be in the hospital, buddy. It's because of me. You're welcome. Give me some money. Like, what? What? So Amber in her description... Amber uh, Gills, the the lady that went on the tirade, said, quote, it was discrimination and everybody is okay with it and enabling and rewarding that behavior. Hmm. She then told reporters why she can't wear a mask, which is where it gets really good. She can't wear a mask because she gets uh, shortness of breath, dizziness. It, 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 quote, unquote, messes with her heartbeat. Word. Hmm. And she does have asthma as well. And lastly, the best one, she gets mask acne. Hmm. Well, you know, here's my problem. I hear people complain about the mask all the time. But, Mm -hmm. like, literally just for, like, to just avoid any sort of, I mean, no one likes wearing a mask, right? But to avoid any sort of confrontation, even if you do have like some sort of medical, even if, all right, so if you have a medical condition, a real one, yeah, then in that case, just make other arrangements to go get coffee, like go through through a drive through or send someone else in there. Make coffee yourself, like Jake does. Don't go Um, to Starbucks. Jake, I'd like to point out too that oftentimes my sweat, uh, my sweaty running tights, they give me acne. Um, that doesn't allow me to not wear pants in stores. Nope, just just free. Yeah, yeah I can't. I can't do that. I'm not allowed to just go pantsless and be like, "Oh, sorry, I, I got some acne on my hip here. It's uh, can't wear them anymore. Not possible." Um, but she did provide two documents to prove this exemption, which this is also great. Um, and I'm not making these up, Jake. One was a sheet with the results of a pelvic exam in 2015 that said she had a probable ovarian cyst. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has no- nothing to do with... Not at all. <laughs> and the second was a handwritten note from a chiropractor. Word. A chiropractor that said Amber has underlying breath conditions. Hmm. Breath conditions that prevent her from wearing a mask or any type of facial covering. I would like to point out, Jake, that the note does say breath conditions, mm-hmm. not breathing conditions that's or respiratory get, conditions. You're getting it from a chiropractor, that's why. Yes. She has chronic bad breath, apparently. Oh. Uh, second... Neither of those come close to an actual condition. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Last, is... uh, the, 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 the one other thing I'd like to point out about this. Folks, if you get upset about a rule like this, if you're upset about a rule, think about who you're yelling at. Yeah. Think right. about who you're yelling at. Did the barista come up with the mask rule? No. Nope. Starbucks, the company did, and they did because of a mandate from the CDC and the California government. So true. The barista had nothing to do with it. He's just trying to not get fired. That's all he's doing. So don't be a dick to him. Yeah. 
That and doesn't make sense. Nope. Uh, Jake, the second... So this is the second story uh, coming out of New York, and it's a story about a weirdo. Hmm. So in New York, there's apparently a dude going around creeping on you and your text conversations. Word. And he's doing it for a book that he's decided to publish titled Hashtag NYC. You know who this sounds like? Who? You know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Uh, (laughs) It's not that guy. This is Jeff Mermelstein. So Jeff Mermelstein uh, is a 62-year-old dude, and he's just been going around in New York hovering behind people that are texting on their phone until he gets a good shot of the text message, and then boom, he takes a picture. And apparently, Mermelstein never asked permission to take any of these photos, but he made sure to keep them anonymous because he felt in his gut that was the right thing to do. Mm. And he noted that the project is not any different than any other street photography, and he's just really quick at taking pictures. So, why not? Hmm... I don't know, but this this irked me a little bit, Jake. Like, I didn't like this. Like, I know it's art, but I didn't like it. So here's my plan, Jake. I'm going to go find out what Jeff Mermelstein looks like, and then I'm going to find him on the street one day in New York, and I'm going to plant myself in front of him with my screen obviously available to him. And then I'm going to send you a text that clearly yes. says, I plan on taking pictures of Jeff Mermelstein showering without him knowing, and I'm going to call it a book titled Old Man with Tiny <laughs> Take Showers, which is absolutely <laughs> fine to do because it's the same as any other street photography, and he'll yeah. be anonymous. I won't yeah. put his name in there. So he you obviously. You'll blur out his face. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. He won't care, right? I mean, doesn't that seem a little weird, though? Like, Jeff Mermelstein. Jeff Mermelstein. And like, I mean, I was just like, I mean, I get it. No one can, I mean, but if one of those people that you'll recognize your text, like yeah. if you see that in the book, you're like, that's me. That's me. And like some of these are some big things. Like one of them was like a dude finding out his girlfriend was pregnant. Jeez. She's like, hey, by the way, we're pregnant. And he's like, what? And like I saw the... I, for a second there, I thought about that one. I was like, you think he knows Jeff Mermelstein's looking at us? Te- he was like, hey, let's 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 F with Jeff Mermelstein. Mm. Going to put on some fake text here. Hey, you're pregnant, babe. Oh, no, we're totally pregnant. Oh, he took a picture of it. What a sucker. Like, just, I, but I mean, dude, serious text. Anyways. So anybody mm-hmm. shutting him down or they're just going to let him run with it? No, they're fine with it. They're fine uh-huh. with it because apparently it's anonymous. Like, I mean, this was in this was in several publications that I saw releasing the information about his book and his book being published of all these pictures of all these anonymous texts. And I was like, it just seems creepy, man. This seems weird. Anyways, uh, Jake, are you ready for the second birthday suit? Yeah, man. Oh, so, I forgot. Uh, yeah. I forgot, by the way, uh, on that first one, I had a 95% rating. On okay. this one, I also have a 95% rating. What was Dave's score this week? Uh, Dave, oh man, did I already forget? I know he, I, I'm pretty, he missed, he missed two. He missed two. So if you get this one, you'll beat his score. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. He had he did have some really tough ones though. He had Forrest Whitaker. But oh because, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker and he had um uh, Jesse Ventura, the former governor of Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay. Uh our birthday suit wearer was born on July 19, 1985 in Dallas, Texas. He grew up loving sports, especially basketball, and he attended Segoville High School where he was the player of the year in Texas his senior year, and he was ranked number 16 in uh, the country coming out of high school. Hmm. He decided to go to the University of Texas. He played for two years, with his second year being named an All-American and All-Big 12 player and All-Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. That's a fact. Uh, After that, he decided to go to the NBA. In 2006, he was drafted by the Chicago Bulls, but his rights were instantly acquired by the Portland Trailblazers. Hmm. He played with the Trailblazers until 2015 when he was traded to the San Antonio Spurs. Since entering the NBA, he's been a five-time All-NBA player and a seven-time NBA All-Star. Name that birthday, Sue Ware. Okay, so was with the Trailblazers mm-hmm. up until 2015. Yep. And then he got traded to the or went to the Spurs since Yeah, since traded to the Spurs, yes. Hmm. Oh man. Um Big Man. He's he's a he's Le- a big man. Lamarcus Aldridge. There you go. There okay. it is. Lamarcus Aldridge. Yes. Turning the big yeah. three five. So hold on. Was he was he on the team with Kevin Durant and at University of Texas? Uh, nope. I don't know if their years lined up. Hold on, let me look. I'm gonna look it up. No, 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 no. Kevin Durant's too young. It didn't line up. Okay. They, the Lamarcus Aldridge just missed him. Just missed him. Yeah, because Kevin's not that old. He just seems that old because he left after one year at the uh, at the uh, uh, Texas at the at the Texas at the Texas at the Texas. Amen. Um. Okay. Happy birthday, Lamarcus Aldridge. We are gonna take a break. We will be right back. With A.J. Smith. None other than A.J. Smith. Right here on the Doc G Show. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by a fantastic artist who has a new single out titled Billy Joel, Mr. A.J. Smith. A.J., how are you? I'm so great, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, First off, I noticed, so, you know, did a little social media snoop in there, and I noticed you're moving to Nashville. (laughs) I am, yeah. What what, what was the, the decision to move to Nashville? What was that based off of? Well, I've been living in New York for... I mean, a long time now, and, you know, we were coming up at the end of a lease. The landlord wanted to up the rent in the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. and I had some great opportunities in Nashville, and I was thinking, you know what, let's go to Music City. Nice. We're heading there. Yeah. Yeah. An amazing town. We've obviously, we've had a lot of uh, musicians, not too surprisingly, from Nashville. I'm, uh, I'm sure you're aware, Nashville has some amazing places to eat. Now... (laughs) 
usually I get that hot chicken. Exactly. Usually every time I have a guest on, I ask them where I should eat in their hometown. So as far as Nashville, since I've had so many people on the show from Nashville, I've got like a list of like 15 or so places that are amazing. Yes! So if you need a place, just let me know. Just shoot me a message. Oh, yeah. Hit, I'll give you some I places. I will absolutely take you up on that. <laughs> we've, I mean, we've got delis. We've got, uh, like you said, hot chicken, barbecue. Uh, I, got, I got it all in Nashville. Uh, very, very exciting town. It's going to be a good time, I promise. Uh, now oh, I'm, I can't wait. It seems like you've been pretty active during quarantine as far as connecting with your fans and uh, trying trying to keep sort of performances steady. Uh, I've seen a, a lot of live streaming, uh, Twitch and YouTube and Instagram. I've been asking everybody that's came on the show since the pandemic sort of hit, uh, how, how does that feel compared to a, a regular show, and, and how have you sort of adapted to it over that time? Well, I'm starting to get used to it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really different and weird when I take my energy from the crowd a lot of times you yeah know, i'm playing at a festival you're feeding off their energy they're feeding off of yours um, and it's weird when you're doing a live stream and it's just you with your camera in the room <laughs> yeah and then people in comments and there's like a 15 second delay so you finish a song and there's no applause which you're usually used to getting at a live show nobody's yeah. screaming out yeah and instead you have to wait 15 seconds and then you <laughs> see the comments come up where people are like hey i love that song i'm like all right, cool. Uh, so it's definitely <laughs> different. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> We're actually going to try to do something. I'm, I'm at my folks for the next couple of weeks before we go down to Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're having the neighbors come and do like a socially distanced. Everybody bring a lawn chair and sit six feet apart in the lawn or in the street and at, in their street in their neighborhood. And I'm going to try to perform and do my live stream from the front stoop of their house for everybody. Nice. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> So the first time that I'll have a crowd since my last tour date, which I think was February or March, Man. Uh, when everything was shutting down. Man, yeah. might, might actually get some jitters again since it's been so long. <laughs> uh, well, I also I also noticed on the uh, the live the live streams. I gotta say, I really like your your AJ Smith neon sign. That's a fact. Really cool sign. <laughs> I like that, man. Gotta be on top of the... My girlfriend got that for me, ah, actually. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. It, it, it livens it up. It just feels like, I don't know, like you're in a in a cool made-for-quarantine yeah, right. made venue right there. That's a fact. Well, the last thing I gotta say about the live streams, I noticed, uh, and this is something that you have on your website as well, you've, you've been having these giveaways of uh, of sad candles. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, why are these, sandal are these candles sad? And like I had to look on your web page, and you've got them for sale. Like I said, uh, g give us a little info on where these sad candles came about and why they came about. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was thinking when you're playing shows and you're touring, you know, everybody's selling T-shirts and CDs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I do that too. But you know, CDs these days are kind of more like frisbees for people. So <laughs> you know, people that everybody's streaming music. So I was trying to come up with something kind of creative to to have at my shows to sell it to people that. Would remind them of my song, my music, and a lot of my music is kind of it's, it's nostalgic, it's emotional, mm -hmm. um, it's funny, um, and even the sad songs and the ballads, you know, I make a few jokes before I before I bring people to that place emotionally. Yeah, and uh, and because I think it's important to be able to experience that and, and know that. So then with these candles, I was, I was basically coming up with this idea where I was riffing at a show one time. 
mm. and just talking about how wouldn't it be great if you could bottle up your emotions and like the way that you felt after a breakup and have like a scent you know like that jacket that you never gave back or the, yeah. your pillowcase my pillowcase still smells like you the yeah. camping trip we never took and i ended up just kind of taking that joke and running with it and decided to turn them into actual <laughs> real light candles nice uh, that now i sell so yeah i've well, got the camping trip we never took it smells like a campfire i i was pretty drawn in by the pillowcase one because i noticed it was it was vanilla and linen and i was like Ooh, sweet that's a smooth scent right there. I wouldn't mind having one of those. Oh, yeah. Ones. That's a top seller. <laughs> I, I also got to say I enjoyed your disclaimer on the website about the candles, talking about the joke, because I was, I was looking through and I was like, candles need fire. Fire is dangerous. Don't be an idiot. Candle responsibly. And I was like, okay, it's good, just in case somebody is out there not playing with their candles responsibly. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a musician. I can't afford to get sued. <laughs> I don't think anybody can these days. Um, no. Now, now let's hop in the the Wayback Machine. You grew up in uh, Littleton, uh, Littleton uh, Colorado, right outside of Denver. And it's funny. I was mm -hmm. actually I was actually talking about Littleton just like two weeks ago on the show because uh, we had some listens. Every now and then, we we shout out who's uh, been listening, who's new on the uh, on the podcast. And I had some listens from Littleton. So I was I was pretty excited. We talked about what was going on in Littleton for a few minutes, but uh, oh, that's rad! You, you've right. lived in several places. Um, how did you like living in Colorado? How did that sort of you know did that affect the way that you wrote music? Do you feel like it sort of inspired music? How did that affect you as far as growing up there? Uh, yeah, I think growing up there, I mean, you have all this natural majestic beauty, mm -hmm. mountains and everything like that, and it, Everybody that, I mean, the formative years of being a kid mm -hmm. in Colorado, I think maybe it's a little bit less of a, of a high paced lifestyle mm -hmm. um, as opposed to New York City or D.C. area where I also uh, grew up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I think that there's definitely something there. And like my, my godmother lived two doors down and taught piano lessons. Mm -hmm. So she was my first piano teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I might not have had that opportunity if I had grown up somewhere else. Uh, but yeah. my godmother was right right down the street. And so I was able to take piano lessons super early. And th I think that just informed a lot of my, my life and my music. For sure. Now, now uh, I, I think I heard correctly uh, that you sort of forced your parents to give you piano lessons because you just sort of ran <laughs> down the street. Ran away. Yeah. yeah. And now uh, my mom would like be doing chores and I would go and grab the dog and sneak out of the house with her and walk <laughs> down the street. At least you got the important I companion. Oh. Uh, I better take this dog with me as I go to run away to a uh, piano <laughs> lessons. I need a companion on this trip. Yes! Now, obviously you were pretty obsessed with music if you were trying to, to get uh, piano lessons at such a young age. Uh, but what can you remember a, a pop or, you know, rock artist uh, that that made you go, you know, whoa! I want to do what that person's doing. Do you remember the first artist that made you do that? <laughs> Actually, one of the first concerts. I said, so there's a couple. I mean, there's like the Rolling Stones. My my parents always played. 
um, you know, like you can't always get what you want. Mm -hmm. Like that was always on the radio in the car. Um, but then my first concert that they took me to was, uh, do you know Yanni? Yeah. Yeah. So they took me to go see Yanni. Yanni made you want to want to get into music, huh? You were like, yeah. Yanni made me want to get into music. Yeah. Nice. Well, I I think it was like the it was super orchestrated, and he was a pianist. And then they had, you know, all the strings and everything up on stage, too. And, and so, like, that got me just interested in... That was kind of just my first in general, concert. yeah. And I think it was at Red Rocks, too. So it wow. Was, like, yeah. a beautiful venue, a, an amazing artist. And even though I don't write music that's necessarily all, like, young yeah. today, yeah. Um, you know, I think I lean a little bit more towards the Stones and Queen and, like, that kind of stuff. Um I think that there was still something that was informed by that super dramatic, theatrical, instrumental kind of vibe that I, I try to carry with me into things now. I mean, even in Billy Joel, you heard me playing violin and a bunch of strings going on in, in that record. Yeah. And, um, yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, it was funny. Speaking of that single, I thought about that when... When I was like, well, what, what did I really get jazzed about when I was that young? And I was thinking about it, and around like four or five, I remember having a tape that my brother recorded off the radio of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. And I played that like 4,000 times. Yeah, and I just, it just is so, you know, so fast-paced and just exciting. I had no idea what he was talking about at all, obviously. Nope. <laughs> but I was just like, yes, this song is awesome. Like that was it got me so jazzed and I was just like, yeah, fits fits with the guest we have this week. Absolutely. So so in high school, you like you you already mentioned, you you play all kinds of instruments and by high school you'd already been playing you're playing drums and the violin and guitar mm -hmm. and piano. Uh but you were also doing some, you know, really serious non music things you you were being an engineer and infrared systems developer for the u.s navy wait what uh and i sort of yeah. wondered with stuff going on like that was there ever a point in high school that you were like you know i might just keep this music stuff as a hobby but i'm gonna do this other thing for a job or was it always music even when you were doing things like that you were like yeah this is this is really cool but music's the end goal well i think to me it, it's always been music i mean i when i was 12 years old i was drawing album covers on poster <laughs> boards and hanging them up over my bed but i think there was always just at that point we moved to dc and there was the high school that i went to is a really great high school um super nerdy public <laughs> school and where obviously i ended up getting an internship at the u.s navy yeah um research lab and um so like there was definitely the practical side but i actually remember so vividly uh, I was playing an orchestra and we were playing the symphonic suites to West Side Story, mm -hmm. which funny enough, my girlfriend is actually going to be in the Steven Spielberg West Side Story movie that's coming out in December. Oh, man. Um, but I was on in high school playing that and I had to decide whether I was going to go to NYU to study music or Johns Hopkins or somewhere else to study engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, and... I just remember I almost started crying as I was sitting on stage playing and you get to that just beautiful string part, mm -hmm. um, basically when Tony dies, but in the orchestral suite. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I knew then, like, I got to go to NYU. I got to study music and I, I can't turn back. I can't 
I, I have to. So yeah. Um, and the U.S. Navy research, like they were offering to pay for school and, and stuff like that. But I lucked out. I got scholarships at NYU, and I was able to go there and and still pursue the dream. Nice. Nice. Well, speaking of that, going to NYU, uh, your master's was in songwriting, and you were the the first yeah. person to get that songwriting masters uh what made you go towards the songwriting degree because you know a person with such versatility and and so much experience and technological understanding like you it would seem that you'd be like a great match for production and music engineering so what made you say songwriting all right well you know i i was kind of torn between the two to be honest with you Mm -hmm. Hey, hindsight, who, who knows what, <laughs> if that would have been the better option for me. Um, but, you know, I felt as though I'm going to learn a lot of this engineering stuff anyways, just by the DIY. Yeah. I wanted to be able to take the chance to, while there was this amazing songwriting staff at NYU, yeah. for me to kind of get those 10,000 hours that you need in order to not just become a professional musician. Like, I got those in on my instruments. Yeah. But I didn't get them in as a writer. Yeah. And I really wanted to get that time in as a writer. And with and I felt like I could accelerate that time by having really good teachers. Like they say you can't teach songwriting. And I kind of agree with that. But I also kind of think if you have really smart people who have been successful in this business giving you feedback on the writing that you're doing, you accelerate the process. For sure. And so I thought that was just super important to to put the time in and you know, I got a, a really amazing grant from the Carol Sa- Bear Sager Songwriting Foundation um, that allowed me to to do that and um, and knock out the masters in a year. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so it was. I mean, I was really lucky, really fortunate, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Now, one of the coolest things that I found about your time working at NYU on that masters was you got to work with Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Yeah. Which is speaking of learning to songwrite i mean you know i've watched a lot of documentaries with glenn fry in it and he's a believer that you can learn it and you definitely can make it better craft it better i mean he always said jackson brown was one of his biggest sort of mentors in doing it and fans of the show know i'm a huge eagles fan he actually worked on a couple of songs with you uh was that on the brooklyn knights ep that he helped uh, sort of uh, craft with you? Um, he was kind of helping mentor the songs that I was writing before those. Okay. Uh, okay. And I actually, I, there's a video of one of them out. It's called True. It's, it's older. You know, I, I was a kid. I don't sound as, as good as I do now <laughs> vocally. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, he helped me learn how to write that. And then, um, and from there, I think I took a lot of his teachings and I just applied it. I mean, one of the things that he taught me was make sure that your instrumental hooks and those kinds of things, I mean, people sing your songs in the shower if they're good. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they need to know the lyrics all the time, but the lyrics are going to be what makes the song stand the test of time. But the thing that you need to hook them with, even the guitar part, like he said, like Hotel California, we wanted that guitar part to be singable. Yeah. You know, when people are driving in their cars, they can, they can do that, you know? Yeah. So, that was super informative for me, and it, and it made me realize that I wanted to make everything that is in my song. I mean, even the cello parts in Billy Joel, I made really melodic so that yeah. for the nerd like me who likes to listen very closely to one instrument within a song, they'll be like, dun, 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 like you yeah. know, so yeah, yeah. I, I learned a lot from them, and I, I miss them a lot, and 
wish you were still here. For, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, and I, I saw the, the quote, you know, when your audience can sing with you, they can feel with you. And, I mean, it, yeah. go, it goes along exactly what you were saying. I think he was one of those... He, he was one of the greats at evoking emotion in a song with melody and chorus. It might not... That's a fact. He might not have been the best at lyrics, but that was the amazing thing of the Eagles because then Don Henley was so great at crafting the perfect metaphor and words to go along with that mm -hmm. melody and that one catchphrase. And then you put them together and you get desperado and lion eyes and victim of love and hotel california and everything else so i just i yeah. when i saw that uh that you worked with him i was like man what a what a fantastic mentor to have on on the path of your career that has to be amazing and uh along with that you got to open for the eagles at the beacon theater in new york what, yeah what was that experience like oh uh, that was that may be forever. You know, I mean, I've played some pretty big festivals and other things too since then, but that may be the coolest show that I've ever played or will ever play just because it's, I mean, the emotional component and it was my first big show. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was my sure. first time seeing like the, all of the, like they had 30 guitars backstage <laughs> and like the sounds. And then like Don Henley, even um, at that point, like, he kind of, they did their sound check and then everybody left the stage. And so I, I was like, oh man, am I not even going to get to meet um, Don or Joe? And, yeah. And um, then I ended I actually did get to kind of briefly say hello to, to Don Henry backstage nice. too, which was super cool. And he wished me luck. And I got like starstruck, which is weird because I've been working with Glenn. So like, yeah. I, I couldn't even speak. <laughs> it was a little embarrassing. And then I had to go out on stage. Um, but you know, that was actually the first time that, cause I grew up playing violin, mm -hmm. but I had sort of disassociated myself a little bit from the violin or not. I hadn't figured out how to incorporate that classical violin style into my rock pop music. Yeah. And it was Glenn that basically he was like, you play the violin, you're going to play it when you open for us. Nice. And that was the first time that I ever did that and played violin and sang at the same time. Very um, nice. And... So, you know, I've been trying to do that more uh, ever since then. How, it's, been, it's been a game changer for me. It's been fun. Since you've, ne since you've never done that before that show, how nervous were you? I mean, on all all of that stuff, obviously, playing, with the, playing for the Eagles, playing for that huge theater, doing something you'd never really done in concert as far as playing violin and singing. Were there a lot of nerves before that show? You know, weirdly, no. I oh, think wow. the biggest nerve wreck that I got was was talking to Don. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 like once you get out on for me, once I get out on stage, I think because I've been gigging since I was ten years old. Um, you know, I was in a bluegrass band as a fiddler. Yeah, and and all of that. Like, I don't know. Once I get out on stage, I'm good. It's that's the more nerves natural. before the show. Yeah, but once I'm out there, that's kind of where I'm comfortable and where I'm at home. Yeah. Plus, Don seems like a fairly intense guy, even when he's relaxed. He just has that he just has that air to him that you're like, oh, this guy means business. You have to be to write some of the songs that he's written, you know? For sure, for sure. Well, let's talk about the newest song that you wrote, uh, Billy Joel. Uh, now, you wrote this basically about whenever you and your girlfriend are uh, at odds, little in ar arguments, and you diffuse the situation <laughs> by singing songs by who else? Billy Joel. And uh, you wrote this with Don Mills, fantastic producer. Uh, he's w worked with Juice World on his on his latest album. 
Um, first, give us the background on how you came to find out how dedicated your girlfriend's family is to Billy Joel. And then uh, tell us sort of how you hashed this song out, how you wrote this out. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I first started dating Brianna, this was, I guess, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it came time to meet the family. She was going to take me to meet her mom, and brother and sister and stepdad up in, um, at their house. And uh, and I I don't think I had actually met her dad yet either at that point. Mm-hmm. But she was basically filling me in when we were on the train ride to go and see them. And she's like, OK, so the things you need to know is that they're, they're from Long Island. They're super Long Island. So they love the Mets, not the Yankees. Very, very important. Um, they love wine, and they love Billy Joel. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I know nothing about the Mets. No. Um, and then I like Googled them. I found out they'd just been knocked out of the playoffs. So I was like, okay, that's not going to be a conversation topic <laughs> for me. Uh, but I know Billy Joel. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So if worst comes to worst, it's, I just feel like I'm not – vibing with the conversation topics you know nervous new boyfriend coming in to meet the family i'll just start talking about billy joel yeah um it ended it ended up going really well and then at the end of the dinner um her brother was joe goes hey so you play piano do you know any billy joel like could could you play piano man and they had a, a you know a family piano yeah in the in the house so then i i go and i'm like yeah sure and we're like oh we've had a couple bottles of wine between everybody so yeah. then i'm like really getting into it and um <laughs> Fast forward, I, we find out my my girlfriend's favorite song is Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to keep that a secret, but I think I've now... The song's been out long enough. Um, <laughs> her favorite song is, is Vienna uh-huh. by Billy Joel. And when we're cooking together, when she's had a rough day, I'll, I'll sing her that either that song or She's Got Away or, nice. or something like that. And um, it, it's funny, too. She, she uh, was... Um, say like oh so you wrote a song about me and you released it but it was about like the two times that we've ever been in an argument (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah sorry we actually almost we're almost never at odds with each other um so made made it seem a little bit more tumultuous than it actually is this (laughs) is very rare but i got i gotta say i do i love i love meeting People like your girlfriend's family, though, and finding out that one thing, like Billy Joel, because you've always got that emergency go-to. If you say something that falls flat, that that nobody, like, you know, responds to, you can always pull out the ace in the hole and be like, oh, man, you believe Billy Joel had to cancel his monthly concert at Madison Square Garden because of the <laughs> pandemic? Crazy. And then everybody will just start talking about it. Like, whoo, save that one. It's yeah, great exactly. to have that fallback. Um but so how did you actually go to then creating the song uh, once you actually started working on it? Yeah, so I was on a writing trip up to visit um, Don. His, his, that's his producer name. His real name is Milos. Um, and we were up in Toronto at his house. Mm-hmm. And he's one of my closest friends. And, um, you know, I that night that I met Brianna's family mm-hmm. and after that sing-along, we were on the train ride back and I wrote in my phone, I keep a list in my notes mm-hmm. of song titles that I want to write. Mm-hmm. And in that list, I typed in Billy Joel. Nice. I want to write a song one day called Billy Joel. Yeah. And so then I'm up in, in Toronto. This must have been like a month later or, or maybe it was even a, a whole year later. And I'm, I'm up there with him and I'm saying... Uh, he's sort of asking, hey, what are what are any songs that you're kind of interested in writing and working on? And I said, yeah. well, I, I've always wanted to write a song called Billy Joel ever since I met Brianna's family. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of 
like, what, what do you mean? And I go, well, <laughs> you know, I want to, I have this line and I had already written out like eight lines, eight lyrics to the song. Yeah. Um, and, and so then it kind of, he was like, all right, let's work on it. And, um, so he started up the session and was recording me playing piano and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, he would, um, we would kind of fire off melodies to each other and he, he's not as much of a lyricist. Um, he's, you know, a fantastic producer though, and still a great writer. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll be a great editor. Yeah. Um, and so I, like, I was firing ideas off and he would be like, that either resonates with me or that doesn't. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we ended up writing the song and I want to say it only took us like an hour or two. Nice. It was pretty, pretty quick. Came yeah, out. Just poured out. Spilled out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, now Billy Joel actually posted your song on his Twitter page. Say what? Uh, you know, <laughs> a, as a response, he he heard about the song and he you know actually promoted your song. That had to be a pretty fantastic feeling and some pretty good emo uh, pr promotion for your song. Oh yeah, I mean it was super surreal, you know, because. <laughs> His, this is actually the first time that I can ever say that like somebody's people got in touch with my people, right? Because I just signed <laughs> on with management like last year. Yeah. And, uh, and after I put the song out, his publicist got in touch with my team. Yeah. And so now I can actually officially say our people have, have spoken. And um, Shout out to Fiona. You know, he Fiona. sent a note. Um, uh, so he sent a note actually um, about two weeks or a week before nice. um, sharing it. Hand, Twitter and handwritten Facebook. note? I just digital. Um, oh, email. man. I was um, about to say, I thought he was going to so. throw you an old school postcard. And you're like, oh, my God. It's a Billy Joel postcard. Well, I was in the middle of moving, and I don't even know my new address yet. So I, I wouldn't even know where to tell him to send it to. No. Well, email's uh, just as good. Yeah, email's, email's great. Uh, my mom's probably going to frame the email. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I told her before she frames it, she has to make sure she doesn't have the email address yeah. listed in there yeah. so that people don't walk into the house and like just start emailing. Redact it you know, out. Billy and his just, team. Just redact <laughs> yeah, exactly. it out there. Now, in, in the uh, less than a month, really, you've, you're you getting close to 100,000 listens on Spotify alone to the song, which yeah. uh, is a pretty fantastic reception. Uh, now, I'm always interested in checking this out on Spotify do you know what cities you have the most listeners in? Hmm. Uh, I can look right now. <laughs> um, I, I know New York is up there. When uh, I checked la last night, Amsterdam was the top city. And you actually <laughs> you actually had a top five of all... I, I, I've been getting a lot of uh, press in Europe, too, actually, for this song, believe it or not. Well, that's it's pretty interesting. That's what I, I think. Once the pandemic has settled, I think you're going to have to strap up for a, a European tour, man. It looks like uh, you're getting you're getting big. I mean, you go Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Germany, Milan, Italy, Paris, France and Madrid, Spain. That was when I looked up. That was the top five. So there you go. Five different amazing oh, countries amazing. tore it around, man. It's uh, yeah. Looking at it right now, right now it has Brooklyn in, in second place. Oh, in New York, okay, Brooklyn uh, for me, Jump and then LA up. is on there too. Uh, but yeah, oh, in Sydney, Australia. That makes sense because I had a song go number three in Australia yes. a few years back. Yeah, um, yeah. I I would love to go to Milan, Frankfurt, and Amsterdam. This looks like a great excuse to go and do that, huh? <laughs> oh, London's on there for sure, for sure. Well, uh. 
So the the last question, though, uh, obviously you got some great momentum with Billy Joel and a great song. How much other uh, song creation have you done during this pan, uh, quarantine? Because obviously a lot of people have have done that. And uh, what are you doing as far as planning on releasing it? <laughs> well, I've written a lot. Uh, I've got I've got you know like four albums worth of songs. Wow, pretty much done. Um, <laughs> so now it's just talking with the team to figure out which ones will make the first batch and keep writing and then figure out which would make the second batch. Um, so I, you know, I'm working with my team to figure all of that out. We want to make sure that some of these songs, they really just deserve to get as much exposure as possible. Yeah. Um, because I think they're really powerful songs that I think would resonate with a lot of people. And I want to make sure that when I put them out that, um, I have the ability to get them to as many people as possible. Yeah. Uh, and you know there's been a lot of blood sweat and tears that have gone into the writing and the producing of them so um so we're kind of we're working on it we're building it up and right. i'm hoping that the album release will happen uh, <laughs> within the year i mean but i want to be able to tour it though yeah when the album comes out so it may mean dropping another single here dropping another single here and then once everything's a little bit more open and i can actually do that european tour now yeah. then um yeah then i could I could put the whole album out. It's it well, it's like me and a, a couple of the other uh, guests that I've had on the show were talking about. Uh, I think it's about a, two weeks ago, but you know the it's like you said you want to make sure that those songs get their due attention. And when you release just an album and just throw it down on a person, they tend to lose like four of those songs. And for whatever reason, mm -hmm. depend even even if they're amazing songs. They just get overlooked because it was it was so it was so much content at once. So I mean, you know, I think releasing those singles throughout, maybe while the the, the pandemic is going on, can keep that attention. Really get people amped up to see the the, the whole AJ Smith album for sure. Um, well, so what's what's the plan once you get to to Nashville? What's uh, what what are some of the first to dos as far as once you get to Nashville? Uh, well, the first is just going to be getting moved into the new place, setting up the studio, making sure that I can be productive and write there. I mean, I'm I'm lucky that I've already taken some trips down there. Yeah. Where I have some friends, so it's not like I'm starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, and I, I have some good music industry connects down there. Um, so I think one of the first things will be get settled, get into a space where I can feel creative, and then just connect with those people that I'm friends with and um, and then kind of go from there. I mean, I'm looking to write as much as possible yeah. and produce and co-produce as much as possible and just be productive. And at least until I can play shows, I'm going to keep doing my live streams yeah. um, at my new space and, and be able to do that so that people that want to tune in on Friday nights and uh, I'm going to keep them going as long as we're, we're dealing with this COVID thing. Because For sure. I know that people aren't necessarily able to get to shows um, like they would probably like to, and I'll keep singing every Friday. Yeah, as long well, as people want to tune in. Well, Nashville is the uh, is the the right place to be productive in music. Yeah. You can uh, basically as hard as you want to go, the city can take you there, pretty much. So, I think I think you'll have a good time, and uh, I think I speak for the uh, the listeners when we say we're excited to hear some more AJ Smith music. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. Well, AJ, we are up against a break, man, but uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for having me. Really appreciate you guys, and uh, 
Stay well, stay safe, stay healthy, all that stuff. Awesome. Listeners, you can check out all things AJ Smith at ajsmithmusic.com. You can even buy yourself a sad candle. Even though I haven't smelled the real fragrance, I would recommend the the smells like uh, you, my pillow still smells like you. That's the one. Go with that <laughs> one, I would say. Yes! But you can also follow him at Instagram at AJ Smith Music. Right now, let's take a listen to the newest single there, Billy Joel, right here on the Doc G Show. You hurt sometimes and sometimes You hurt me then I defend words I don't mean we sit in silence And you start crying In all my pride I never wipe your tears That's when you call me insincere You leave me broken But I'm not hopeless Because I know that you're always I admit that I've been wrong So baby, what are we fighting for? I've run out of ways to say that I'm so sorry It's never too late, so let's start over Are we crazy for falling back in love? Or can I hold you close tonight? I can sing your favorite song You know the one by Billy Joel I swear, my dear, you'd kill me with the sigh You'd never mean to, you're too kind We all have reasons Hell, I've got my own demons You're the only one who sees my million dreams Stays by my side when I can't breathe That's why it's painful When we act so resentful Oh, but you know that you'll always be my woman And I'll be your man until I die So baby, what are we fighting for? I've run out of ways to say that I'm so sorry It's never too late, so let's start over Are we crazy? Falling back in love I cannot hold you close tonight I can sing your favorite song You know the one by Billy Joel We're just people And people make mistakes I know it's harder to forgive When you're still in pain I'm always on your side No matter who's right Let's find a way Oh, I say, baby What are we fighting for? I've run out of ways To say that I'm so sorry It's never too late So let's start over Are we crazy For falling back in love? Or can I hold you close tonight? I can sing your favorite song You know the one by Billy Joe.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. AJ Smith with that classic jam, Billy Joel. Huh? I told you that was a good story about his uh, his family, Jake. Yeah, I got a, got, a, got a good kick out of that one. Was uh, is there any group that's like that for your family? Hmm. Does like does your family jam on anybody that hard? I don't think uh, my family has a cohesive artist. Nope. That would bring them together like that. Yeah, I mean, my, my family's kind of all over the place when it comes to music, but my mom does love some Fleetwood Mac. Like so mm. true. You know, normally we're out by the pool and she'll be like, "Y'all need to cut that music down." But if I were to put on some Fleetwood Mac and let it run. She would not have a problem with it. I get back. I get. I get behind some Fleetwood Mac. I, I, yeah. I can support your mom's decision on that one. Amen. I try. I try to think about. It. I think the. I think the closest would be for my family. Maybe, but see, my brother wouldn't get behind this. Would be Carol King. Hmm. My dad, and my mom really like Carol King, but my my bro. I mean, you know, he's not against Carol King, but it would. It wouldn't be like he'd get super jazzed about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's and that's J- what James Taylor too. Maybe, oh, just, yeah. But again, my brother. I mean, he likes it, but he wouldn't get super jazzed. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's one thing. Like, I guess as a musician, that you learn is you don't really hate or dislike anybody. You know, mm-hmm. you just you you have this. You kind of change. I mean, when you're you know just normal person listening to music, you're just kind of like, oh, this this kind of blows. But wait, what? As a musician, you kind of have a little bit more appreciation for things, and you just say, well, that's not really my kind of style you get a little bit more in depth yes and you're a little less likely to just throw someone to the side and be like i hate this band yeah. you're like what which is probably how your brother is with carol king you know he doesn't like dislike oh her. yeah he just no no chooses. He, you know and he, i mean he likes carol king it's just i mean my brother basically likes anybody that's a fact you know i mean he he, he can jam on anything he's got like six thousand cds he's yes. all about that's right i said cds jay yes. He's a hard copy aficionado. <laughs> he does not download or stream that nonsense because he is old and he likes lasers. So true. All yep. right. Anyway, That's, I went. Remember that phase I went through? I do. I remember that. You getting? I was CDs. buying CDs. Yeah. Left and right. I'm more of a vinyl guy, as the studio knows. I'm a vinyl guy. I like to take it yeah. all the way back to the '70s. But we got sidetracked too. The other thing about AJ that I love, Glenn Fry. He got to study with one of the great... I just watched the Eagles documentary again so the other day, Jake, because I love the Eagles so much. So much talent in that band, man. So oh, absolutely. Much. And to learn from Glenn Fry, who learned from uh, from Bob Seger and from uh, Jackson Brown, come on. Girl, come on. Come on. Yeah. Get out of town. That is some good stuff right there. That's a good jam that he has with Billy Joel, man. Uh, hopefully, A.J. Smith will come back on the show. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, when I go to Nashville the next time, we'll get to eat together. I'll take him out to one of those, mm. one of my favorite jam spots in Nashville. There's a lot of good ones, man. A lot of good ones. Uh, Jake, it is time to move on to our new segment that I was telling you during the break. It's the new segment called Jordan Shoe and Tell. Okay, mm-hmm. this is where I show off my Jordans that I have worn to the studio for the show because I have nowhere else to wear them. Yes. That's right. Yes. Are you ready for me to unveil what shoe I'm wearing today? I can't see them, but I'm imagining it. Go ahead. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Let me. I'm reaching down. Hold on. Okay. Pull it off. Okay, we've got the South Beach 8s today. <laughs> South Beach 8s. Get your suntan lotion and your beach towel because we're doing this thing. That's right. On South <laughs> Beach, my friend. Yeah. This was uh, this was originally, the 8s came out in 92, 93, uh, Jake. Not yeah. in the South Beach colors. Nope. But uh, just like all the original J's, this was designed by Tinker Hatfield. All right, Tinker Hatfield origi- uh, uh, designed all the original J's, and this was the first one, Jake, that he convinced Jordan or the uh, or Nike not to put a Nike symbol on the shoe. There is no Nike symbol cool. on the shoe because the Jordan brand was big enough in itself to not need a Nike emblem. Uh, they borrowed yeah. the straps, which were also called bunny ears, and the inner sleeve. From the Hirachis, the Nike Hirachis. And also, fun fact, these were the shoes that Jordan, that you saw Jordan in his last game before his first retirement. That's a fact. Hmm. Yes. And they had a nickname called the Punisher. Say what? That was the, the nickname on the streets for the eights with the Punisher. Now, Jake, these aren't my cleanest pair. Nope. I can't lick the bottoms like DJ Khaled. Oh. Um, well, I could. But it'd be pretty gross, and I'd probably get dysentery. But Ew. they're a pretty clean shoe. I'm a pretty big fan of of the Eights South Beach edition. So there you go. There you go. That's uh, Jordan shoe and tell for you. How'd, how'd you like that one? You like that I love one? The, I love those shoes. Nice. Nice. So, Good. Now, Jordan, that's their own, they're not even affiliated with Nike anymore. They're their own thing, right? Well, they're their own brand. They are still affiliated, though. Like, uh, okay. you know, because that's the thing is a lot of the reissues that they've done where they've put out, uh, you know, one of the old retro pairs, they have retroactively gone back to putting the Nike emblems on them. Yeah, yeah. So, and like the newest pair that he just put out, uh, the, the well, not just put out, but almost a year ago now, the 34th edition of the AJs, they had flight and a Nike symbol on them. So they went back to both on there. So they work together. They are their own brand, but anytime they want to do something together, they do. And like yeah. they use the same facilities and stuff like that. So, you know. But yeah. Yeah. AJH, man, on Wednesday, coming out with a brand new pair. Get excited. That's a fact. Like Dave said, this segment will go for a long time. Way too long. Way too long. Jake, are you ready? For the third birthday suit. Let's do it. I'm going to go three for three. Okay. How you feeling on UFC fighters? Uh, I'm a- I actually have a pretty pretty decent uh, realm of knowledge with the UFC. Well, this one's, this one's a pretty big known fighter, so I think you should be able to get this one. All right. Uh, okay. Born on July 19th, 1987 in Rochester, New York. Our birthday suit wears father was a minister. Hmm. And our birthday suit where his father tried to talk him out of going into fighting when he decided that he wanted to do mixed martial arts. Hmm. Uh, our birthday suit wear had three siblings, uh, two of whom uh, were NFL football players. Uh, his sister sadly died at the age of 18 from cancer. Uh, in high school, he loved football and he loved wrestling. 
He was state champion in wrestling, and his football coach nicknamed him Bones because of how skinny he was. He John initi- Bones Jones. John Bones Jones. Yes, it is. Boom. There it is. Nicely done. I knew the nickname would give it away, but, you know, I had to let you know where it came from. High school. Dude, High school I just football. wish... I just wish he all he's been through so much. I just wish that he could get his act together. I mean, he could have been one of the greatest fighters ever. Yeah, yeah. So for the folks that don't know, uh, he made his professional debut in 2008. He went six and zero in a three month period. He went to the UFC in 2008, and then in 2010 he became the youngest UFC light heavyweight champion. He successfully defended his title fight uh, his title for five years. But then he got suspended for his involvement in a hit-and-run with a pregnant woman. And after he was reinstated, he was suspended again a year later for doping allegations. Uh, He was reinstated, but then suspended again a year later in 2017. And then in 2018, he won his title back when he was reinstated. But he's currently in a dispute with the UFC and has vacated his title. So... Yes, Girl, come on. there has been some controversy over the last five years, Jake. Definitely with John Bones Jones. I missed out. He was uh, he was sponsored by Nike for a while, and there was this awesome shirt, John Bones Jones shirt that I wanted. And then they stopped making it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was a little upset about it. Oh. Maybe yeah. like roots, roots of fight will make something for you. Yeah, well, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta sign him. You know, that's the tough thing. Yeah. Like, since they don't have too many active fighters, you know, they're no, all retired. No. That's the thing. So, and he's still potentially. I mean, who knows? It's like you said. If he would have kept going, no controversy. He could have held that title for like fourteen years, man. So true. Uh, yeah. But he's, uh, he's still an incredible fighter. Like when they put him in the ring, when he, oh when, yeah, when he was oh, restated. He, like yeah. nobody stood a chance. No, no. I mean, he's just so long. He's so agile. He's so good at, at the ground game. That's a fact. I mean, he would instantly kill me in the octagon. Word. Like, if I fought him, I would die in five seconds. So true. Or less. They would clinically pronounce me dead. And I might just die from fear. Like, it might just, you know, he might come at me and I might just have a heart attack from how scary he was. That literally might happen. He is a... Phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Crazy good. Right up there with uh, with Silva. Um, you know, the spider. Yeah, Anderson Silva, yeah. Yeah, uh, which he does have some uh, some roots of fight stuff, Anderson Silva. So true. Because he's retired. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, 33. John Jones with the, with the uh, Scotty Pippen year. 33. Turning the big train to A.E. Trace. Uh, okay, Jake. We've reached that point. Time to tell you about the great shows coming up. Time right. to tell you, and I'm 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 not afraid to let you know. Great shows, great shows. Uh, I don't doubt it. You know, I'm very excited. We've got Town Mountain coming up. Town Mountain is a fantastic bluegrass band. I told you about this band, Jake. They've got ties to Tyler Childers. They play with Tyler Childers. They write with Tyler Childers. Uh, but they uh, they jam on their own. They've got a fantastic song that they redid. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's song, I'm on Fire. What a jam. 
What a jam. And it's actually their uh, biggest played song on uh, Spotify. It's got like 10 million spins by itself. It's crazy. That's a fact. Crazy. Um, they're coming on the show. We're going to talk to Robert Greer, their lead singer. I'm very excited to talk to him. We've got uh, the fantastic band Picturesque coming on the show. They are a fantastic band. Uh, you can't really put a genre on Picturesque. Nope. There are no. all kinds of, of genres. But I, you know, I, and I feel like the, the, the guitarist of the band, Zach, he doesn't appreciate this when people label him it, but I think it's a good thing. I get some pop vibes from him. Like, okay. I hear some good pop in it, and I really enjoy it, man. They're, yeah, well, they're, I mean, it's popular. That's how you're going to make it. Yeah, yeah it's popular. Uh, their lead singer, so talented, man. Dude can belt it. He can sing. I wish I could sing like him. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, man. Then we've also got uh, The Wild coming on the show. We've also got G-Love. Yes. G-Love and the Special Sauce. G-Love's going to be back on the show. Can't wait for G-Love to come back. So excited. This will be the second time G-Love's been on the show. He's been... You know, that dude. That dude has been busy during covid man he live streams like like five times a week it's insane he is live streaming he jumps in other people's live streams he's made like six different tracks he's released like one ad. it's crazy crazy all the stuff he's done yeah. but I, I remember when you first had him on i think you were still down or you were visiting in columbia and, yeah uh, i came back i came i came back up came back up mm-hmm yeah, man, uh, G Love, uh, uh, you know, G Love was great because that was right when I was first starting to have, you know, guests on the show. Yeah, and yeah. G Love's a big dude, you know, big time dude. I mean, he had platinum record, uh, and he was nice, and he was like, "Yeah, come on your show." What? Super nice of him to do that. Yeah, and he's coming he back on the show. You know, he kind of set the set the tone for you, set the bar. You know, black uh, 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 blackberry smoke did too. They were like, yeah, we'll come yeah. on the show. And I was like, what? You guys are huge. Are you sure you want to come on my crappy show? And they were <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, awesome. Let's do it then, you know? Yes. It's pretty great. Pretty great of both of those guys. But G-Love's coming back on. I can't wait. Until then, though, we've got to wrap up the show. I have been your host, Doc G, with me on the Sunday Fun Day edition. That dude that needs sunscreen from time to time. Jake, Papa J-Bone's parlor. Yeah, keep her sleazy. Boom! And until next time, zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> <laughs>